HR After Hours. Pop Culture Edition. All right. Well, welcome to HR After Hours. Hannah Hampton, how the heck are you today? I'm great. I uh, went for a bike ride this morning. I, I missed my yoga class. I was just putzing around and I lost track of time. So I went and jumped on my bike and got my exercise that way. Pulling off a uh, Lance Armstrong, huh? You got it. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I got a pretty packed show here. I never do shout outs. I love that you do them and I know our listeners appreciate it, but I do have to do a quick shout out. I have joked about uh, married life, but believe it or not, this week, Mrs. Danzig and I are celebrating 20 years (gasps) of being married. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Apparently, she uh, just is too lazy to replace me, or (laughs) she just figured, you know, at this point, why bother? I love it. That's awesome. So what's going on with you? Any new news before we jump in? Well, you know, I actually do have an update I want to share with our listeners. Uh, I know sometimes we uh, give McDonald's a hard time. Positive McDonald's news. I was reading that McDonald's expects to hire about 260,000 restaurant employees this summer. So creating a lot of jobs. Basically, I think a lot of it is due to reopening dining rooms and hire folks. So if you're interested in a career in the food industry, look at McDonald's. Because that's the one thing I will give McDonald's. I have talked to several people in their store leadership as far as managers, general managers, their district managers, some even some other HR people that all work their way up from hourly positions. As a matter of fact, I had a partner who was in a training department who is now a recruiter and she got her start back in high school at McDonald's and now is very successful out in Southern California. And uh, hopefully their previous practices of a lot of internal development and promotion will uh, will help those that get on board early. Yep, I agree. Well, let me tell you, I mm. have got some fun stuff here. Ooh. So we've been a little more serious than I like to be sometimes. Sure. And I'm sure some of our listeners are like, really? You guys have been serious recently? <laughs> I wanted to do an HR and pop culture episode. As you probably know, Hannah, I like to do things a little differently than other people. I could have said, hey, I want to talk about bad bosses, and we could have done an episode on horrible bosses, which I think is kind of the uh, the easy way out. Yep. So you know me. I like to challenge myself and grow. I watched a movie late last night into this morning. I actually stayed up to do this, so we're going to mm-hmm. use that as an excuse for my upcoming errors in recording. But I found a movie. Uh that immediately caught my attention with the title Inhuman Resources. Inhuman Resources, okay. Oh, yeah. I have not seen this movie nor know much about it, so uh, tell me more. Well, I'm glad you asked, Hannah Hampton. So (laughs) (laughs) this movie was shot or released back in 2012. Okay. So it's it's not at least brand eight, new. It's at least eight years old, not brand new. But let me tell you, what it lacks in freshness and newness, it makes up in uh, tongue-in-cheek, somewhat 
creative, fun, horror kitsch. The name of the movie, again, is Inhuman Resources, which that's actually the U.S. renaming. It's a movie from Australia directed by Daniel Craig. But here, the different names it's had are Red Incorporated, and I believe that's what it was really originally released as. Then it became Headhunt. Headhunt. (laughs) And honestly, I think that was uh, lost in translation. But it was Headhunt. In Germany and Japan, second U.S. title was actually in Human Resources. I think it was called Red Ink upon its first release in the United States as well. And you can find this beauty on Prime so you don't have to pay to watch it. And, oh, my gosh, you really shouldn't pay to watch it. So we're going to have some fun here for a minute. But I don't want anyone emailing me saying, make you have the worst taste in films or you owe me $2.99 or $4.99, whatever it is. But let me tell you about this movie. Here is their synopsis. It says six captive office workers are literally chained to their desk by a demented escaped serial killer. Uh, he, he's the former regional manager, Thomas Redman, and he <laughs> assigns his quote unquote human resources team the impossible task of proving his innocence or suffering gruesome consequences. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, so basically the film opens with. I put in my notice. I would be like, <laughs> nope. Well, so the film opens with what we see as serial killer unleashed on an office building. He's yielding an axe and there's blood being splattered everywhere. Mm-hmm. She's this uppity, professional, yuppie type woman who <laughs> never gets off her cell phone. And she's walking around the building. Then she gets in the elevator to leave. And then all of a sudden, cut to the lobby. Elevator doors open. There is Red holding an axe, covered in blood, and yes, her body's on the floor, decapitated. Decapitated. Headhunt. Yeah, well, this is the best part. Of course, he's deemed a serial killer, and they give the little montage of courts and everything, and him going to jail. Supposedly, he dies tragically in jail. And guess what his serial killer moniker is? Oh, Lord. I don't, do I even want to know? Oh, he's the fucking headhunter, Anna. The headhunter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I quit that job. So all these people wake up. The six of them are all chained to a big giant table with computers in front of them. And they are told that, that, you know, by Red, the headhunter, that they all have a task to do. And as long as they do their jobs, they're going to be fine. And every time they do something wrong and get a strike, he takes his claw hand that's hidden under his glove. He pulls it off and scrapes a mark in their forehead. Like, you know how you get... Yeah, you know how you keep score and it's four lines and then you cross through them for five? Yeah. He does that in their head when they're alive one at a time. So, yeah. So, you know, you see, it's funny, though. It's very predictable. The gore is, it's extremely gory. So it's not for the lighthearted. The the actual scares really aren't there. It's Mm kind of because it goes back and forth from being tongue in cheek. And you see these first couple people get their their marks carved into their head. And then all of a sudden fades out and fades back up. And everyone's got three or four marks. 
So there's all this. We don't know what happened in between marks one and four for some of these people. They only get two potty breaks a day and they all have different tasks and they don't know what they are. But they're all they've all been assigned different things, basically, to find evidence that Red is not, in fact, the headhunter Mm -hmm. because he did not die earlier. He somehow escaped from prison. And it turns out that he wasn't really a killer, possibly. That well, you know, can I just say, go ahead and spoil it, because is anybody really going to watch it? <laughs> anyway, it turns out Red was actually innocent, but the reason, but you're like, but he's <laughs> killing and torturing everyone to prove his innocence, it's because he was sent to a terrible mental hospital, and they mm. did bad, bad things to him, and so they actually created the killer, and that he was dun, not dun, in fact the killer. And uh, it's like every time the movie actually looks like it could go uh, a level up and actually be okay, there's either a gratuitous decapitation or unnecessary nudity. What a great way to transition into the topic, bad boss stories. Okay, before we get to bad boss stories, I just have a quick question. I need some clarification on this movie. Now, was it a straight up like slasher movie or was it, were there like Freddy Krueger style uh, puns? Because I feel like that would have made it fun because like, let's get real. There's so many stereotypes of working in an office. And if it there were, you know, puns and play on words and all the like garbage of, you know, the garbage culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so was yeah. it serious or were there puns? Because I, I think I would have been all in it for the puns. But if there's no puns, then there's no fun. There are definitely a, a couple puns. And that's where the movie kind of like lost its identity. And this, you know, honestly, the version that's out now, uh, it may have been edited. It, it goes back and forth. And that's what really doesn't. That's why I can't give it, you know, two devil horns up. It goes back and forth. Like you right when there's a good pun and you're like, OK, that's where we're going now. Cool. Then all of a sudden there's a decapitation or someone just gets impaled or something like, like that. I think about if there was like the accountant there and then he's like, we need to slash the budget, you know, something like <laughs> that, you know. And I know that's a terror. Like I can't <laughs> think of, I, I need some time to think of like, really funny ones. But that's like the first one that popped in my head was like, we need to slash the budget. And then it's like, you know, the hoink of the slashing of the. Well, what they couldn't even tap. They could have taken it a step further, and by we need to slash the budget to get out of the red. Bah, bah, bah. Da, da, da. There you go. So yeah, yeah, there are a couple of those, but they're they're not frequent enough. I didn't feel like I was sacrificing for the podcast by watching it, but I will never watch it again, and I definitely can't really in good conscience tell someone that it's a must see. Yeah. I probably won't be watching it. But anyways, so bad, let's talk about Bad Bosses. Yeah, so I had, you know, since you didn't get a chance to watch the movie and I kind of surprised you, I think I just took up a lot of time and we need a little more of your voice and less yeah. of mine. So let's hear a Hannah Hampton Bad Boss story. Oh, gosh, a uh, Bad Boss story. So I would say that I had a Bad Boss a while ago, and this is pre this is pre my HR life. So this was a very long time ago. I don't know whatever happened to this person. So I'm just going to caveat it saying it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I had not had a lot of time in corporate America at that point. I started my career 
in a sales role versus human resources. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to learn as much as I could in the role, trying, you know, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. So I took this role as a sales and marketing assistant. So I, let me, wait, wait, let me start. Hmm. So we've got, I want to paint a, a picture, at least share what I've got in my yeah. here. I've got young, eager mm-hmm. little Hannah Hampton, mm-hmm. just all ready to figure out what she wants to be when she mm-hmm. grows up. Got You got your briefcase, your yeah. lunchbox with the thermos. And going up to work to decide if this is what you want to do the rest of your life. Exactly. So that's a really great way to put it. And I will tell you, like, I got paid peanuts. Like, it was a terrible paying job, but uh, it was a good place to start. So we'll just leave it at that. So I uh, had made some friends because that's what a lot of young people do in an office. And one day I receive an email that says, hey, do you want to meet at and then inserts local bar? after work today? And I responded, yes. Well, I will tell you (laughs) that yes ended up with me getting screamed at by an ex-Marine general manager of our office. (laughs) So me responding yes to an email got me in. I almost got fired. So this isn't even for anything that took place at said watering hole. Just to make the story interesting, in my mind, the watering hole that you're going to meet your friends out is the uh, cowboy bar in the movie Roadhouse. Sure. Well, okay. you know, I mean, it wasn't far from that. I'm not, I don't want to say the name of the bar because then you'd be able to figure out where this all took place. And it's just way too, uh, <laughs> way too much information that I care to share. But anyway. Was so- it somewhere in Boston that everyone knew your name? <laughs> it was not Cheers. So, oh, okay. No. Okay. All right. So fast forward, I get called into the general manager's office and my boss, because I didn't report to the general manager that was above my boss. My boss is there and he, the general manager is there, calls me into the office and basically had told me that the two other people who were on the email had been fired and I was probably next, but my boss saved my job so i'm just like so i am wait 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 you guys still haven't even gone to said bar right uh this was uh this was the day after so okay so you did actually go to the bar okay yes but actually that has nothing to do with the firing so so this is the next day i'm in so i'm in the office and i'm starting to get upset because here i'm being told like I'm very close to being fired. I don't know what I did. At this point, I didn't know I had to do anything with that email. I had no idea what I did. So the general manager starts reading this email. And basically, he's like, does this sound familiar? And it was somebody basically calling him an asshole. (laughs) And it was two. So my two fellow employees who had been terminated were going back and forth about what a jerk this guy was via email. And then at the end of their exchange, they copied me on the email saying, hey, would you like to go to XYZ bar after work for some drinks? And I responded, yes. <laughs> so oh, for, okay. I got you. for some I got you. reason, the general manager thought that me saying yes to a drink with my coworkers meant that I was somehow involved in the bashing of him. And I, so basically he is reading this email, does this sound familiar, going through the bashing. And I'm 
sobbing because this person is an ex-Marine. He was a big, scary guy. And he was very intimidating. And he's yelling at me, just, you know, does this sound familiar? You know, blah, 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 it's an asshole, blah, 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 jerk, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like crying, no, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And my boss is sitting next to me saying, see, I told you she had no idea that that was even there. I told you, you know, out of the goodness in his heart. And basically, that's how he said it. Because my boss convinced him and out of the goodness of his heart, he was going to let me keep my job. But I had to prove to him that I was worth saving. So I was just like, oh, my goodness. It was one of those things where I was really upset because I, I, I promised to our listeners I did not scroll down on that email. I literally saw, saw people inviting me out for a drink. So I said yes. Well, I will tell you, I truly believe in karma. And one of the reasons I believe in karma is what happened a couple months later. So long story short, our general manager was not the permanent general manager. This was a placeholder because this individual that, you know, he was married. He was married to somebody else who, who, who worked for our company. And it was her family money that purchased this franchise. And basically, he was a placeholder as the general manager and was going to get somewhat demoted to sales manager once they could find and hire the general manager because it was a very new, newly started franchise. Well, <laughs> said gen new general ma manager was found and he did not want to give up his power. This person didn't want to give up his big office, <laughs> didn't want to give up this power and ended up getting fired <laughs> from the job. Uh, because he was just kind of a power hungry jerk. And I remember the new general manager was this amazing woman who I look up to, you know, to this day, I really appreciated how her leadership style and uh, she did a really great job of pushing the company in the direction it needed to be. But I will tell you that it was it was a happy day for a lot of people when this individual was no longer a part of the company. And you know, it had to have been bad if you were married to the you know the owner of the company and they decide that you're no longer welcome there anymore. Wow. Well, it sounds like, like you said, I mean, ultimately karma came into play. But I cried so hard. I had never, because I had never been screamed at before. I, I you know, and I don't know <laughs> if it was just like his military way of screaming, of I, I had never been yelled at like that in my entire life. And I'm not a fan of the old school yell to get things done at work. I will always tell people that it's not the right thing to do. And you can always talk about things in an appropriate way. But I had never been screamed at like that. And I was sobbing and I felt bad for my boss because like she had to comfort me once it was all over because I, I was hysterical because I didn't know what I'd done to deserve <laughs> this because literally, like I said, I was copied on an email. And if you look at an email train- I was gonna you say, could you show, show on the thread where what? you were not copied? Did, did that come into play or did they just go off your word? Uh, that, well, no, that was right there because that's what my how, why my boss stood up for me was saying, hey, if you look at the email chain, you will see that um, it was not on there. Well, here's, but here's something else I want you to think about because it wasn't like somebody forwarded the email to him. He had, he got it from the IT department. It was really funny. So after I was so graciously saved in my, for my job, uh, I, the IT director came to my cubicle 
and reminded me that our e the company email was company property and that the company had the right to to read my emails and it was just a friendly reminder. So uh, yeah, so this is a person like this is I, I tell you how bad of a boss this was. I felt like he like rather than spending time on making the company a great place, he spent time on intimidating people, reading the emails to see if we were bad talking them. And I don't know what else this person did, but certainly, you know, you can spend your time on things that'll push the business forward, or you can spend time on selfish things. And that's what this person did. Like I learned it before I was in HR and like anything that you write electronically, you need to be comfortable with somebody else seeing. And if it's that somebody else who you're talking about or whatever that might be. So I have, you know, again, pre HR life, don't write anything in the email and in a, in a Slack and a chat that you wouldn't want that other person to see, or you wouldn't be comfortable showing your grandmother, showing a judge. So I feel like that's uh, an HR lesson I learned prior to my HR life, because man, I mean, even though I wasn't the one who wrote anything bad, I, but I was just a victim of it, but I still feel like it was, a, it was a great lesson learned and I became completely paranoid about it. But I will tell you, I loved this IT person. We ended up becoming <laughs> friends. Like I was brand new to the company. Like literally I was probably one to two months in. So I didn't know any, I was you know, still trying to make friends, but we, we became close. And uh, we kind of laughed about that situation, but he, he was a big uh, proponent of just, you know, obviously cybersecurity, doing, being smart, but he would do the funniest thing. Like if you kept your computer unlocked <laughs> and he saw like your computer state, your workstation open, he would go in there and send emails <laughs> from your <laughs> email. And I remember this, I love this story. So one day I get an email, it was from our, uh, it was our receptionist, our front desk individual. And it's like, hey, you know, Hannah, I just want to tell you that, you know, I, I don't think anybody else would be willing to tell you this, but you smell bad today. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so I, oh, I know I responded. I'm like, gee, thanks. I had, and I, I honest to God thought that I just smelled. And I said, gee, thanks. I didn't know. Thanks for letting me know. And I, I remember I had perfume and like lotion at my desk. So I'm putting perfume on. And the IT guy comes around the corner just laughing. He's like, you don't smell. He's like, he said the receptionist left their workstation open. And I just, this is what I do to show people why it's important to keep things locked. So I have to say, I learned a lot of lessons at this job that I still use to this day. That shows just, you gave so many examples of how bad a leader that person was. Oh, because yeah. if, if your boss pointed out the email thread, then before even calling you in, they should have brought IT in and said, you know, can you explain to this Nimrod how she was not copied on any of these messages? And this is where she chimed in. And her one response is yes. But then same thing, people that typically people that are over promoted, figure it out pretty quickly. And you said he was a placeholder. So it sounds like he was over promoted and he was insecure because he knew people uh, were aware that he was. Uh, quite the Black & Decker or tool, as we want to say. Mm -hmm. And so they're talking about him. And instead of trying to be a better leader and addressing things, he goes in and says, hey, 
I want you to copy their email so I can look at it and find an excuse to fire them. No, it was a great story. I think we should definitely bring in some more Bad Boss stories soon. I would love to get some listener emails. Yes, me too. Bad Boss stories. Say that three times real quick. Hannah, I want to say right before we close here that I'm really proud of you because you of all people have every right to pull an in-your-face to all those COVID-19 self-quarantine deniers. I, you know, you could have opened with, hey, fuckers, but instead you uh, shared a great story yeah. and I appreciate it. Well, here's the thing about that, not to get into that, but I just, it's, of course it's disappointing because I, I feel that I've been doing, you know, I've been doing the, the selfless thing. I wear, I wear my face coverings and I don't go anywhere. I ride my bike. But I wear a face covering because I want to spread that word of the importance of it. There's a lot of selfish people out there who just got sick of sheltering in place and now we're paying the price. And I think it'll be really interesting to see because I know from what I've heard or what I've been reading is that in like Florida, it's a lot of young people. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects hospitalization. But I have to say, I'm a little scared and worried for places like Texas, where I'm learning about how their ICUs are almost to capacity and they might run out of space. And that was all the, that was the reason that we did the, the, you know, the shelter in place to begin with. It was to flatten the curve so that we didn't have to overstress the healthcare system. I'm disappointed. And I think that, you know, we're not even into wave two at this point or wave one never stopped. And I feel like we're somewhat worse than we were. Now, are we doing more testing? Absolutely. But I still think, uh, People are not doing the right things and need to be a little more selfless than selfish so that we can all get back to our new normal next year or whenever it might be. And that's it. I love it. Well, Hannah Hampton, thank you for being your awesome, adorable self. (laughs) And uh, like Hannah said, why don't you just try to do the right thing? We're just now at the halfway mark for this year or just past, I should say. I'm ready to put up the Christmas tree and call it a year. But that's not really how it works, unfortunately. So until then, everyone, stay safe, do the right thing. And Hannah Hampton, you rock. Aww.